It's been a long time, it feels like for me since I've been here, although I don't think it's been much over a year. But uh, in that time frame, I'm going to give you a little recap of uh, our year, a little recap of what's going on. I asked my boys on the way here, I said, hey, what do you remember about this year? What has God done that has been good this year? And we've had an incredible year. Um, I got to watch Micah go out to Texas. Micah's the one with the beard over here. I got to watch him go out to Texas and do his first winter retreat um, and speak at it. And uh, Caleb went with him. Got to watch Caleb get his driver's license, which was fun and exciting and scary all at the same time. Um, I still don't think I've ridden in the car while he drives. I'm pretty sure that I've left that solely up to his mother, um, to the brave ones in our family. <laughs> that does not include me. Um, I got to watch my daughter turn 12 this year, um, going to seventh grade. We got to watch some awesome things. Um, at the beginning of the year, starting on January 12th, I looked up at the, uh, my Facebook reminders. It's nice how Facebook lets kind of remind you of some things. Um, I got to watch that I started chemo and radiation on January the 12th of last year. And here I am standing still today. God is doing great things. And so I wanted to come and speak to you today. I think that this church is probably in a spot right now where they kind of need to hear this. That God is good, that God is able, that God takes care of us. That we're still standing, but by the grace of God, we're still standing. And we're not going anywhere. And so I, I have had to preach from a chair. So this is awesome. That's why I asked for this. I've had to preach from a chair for the last year because my balance is off. Brother Hoffman has come and preached for me twice in that time frame. He asked me, is there anything you need? I said, I just need you to come. And so he came twice this last year. And now with everything he's going through, it's kind of wild. It's the shoes on a different foot. And I'm able to do some things for him. And I'm able to... I'm glad I got to go down this road first. And I know that sounds crazy, but I'm glad I got to go down this road first because I'm able to help walk other people down this path, give a little bit of encouragement. The coolest thing about all this is in that year that I've been preaching from a chair, I've had to rely. Um, Jim Harbaugh said it the best. Those of you who are Michigan fans know exactly who that is. He said it the best. He said he's a lot like Moses. He leans heavily on his staff. And so this year I've had to be a lot like Moses and I've had to lean very heavily upon our staff. Um, this year, starting off, we averaged about 40, 45 people in church um, because we're still growing, we're still pushing, we're still trying to make a way. Um, at the end of the year, we're averaging about 70, somewhere right in that area. <laughs> and so God has grown the church. I started off at the beginning of this year, we had some momentum and I was... I was frustrated. I got diagnosed with cancer again, and I was frustrated. It was in a new location in an area that affects your balance, and it's growing. They said it was growing right up next to the brain stem, which controls all of your involuntary actions, so your heart, your lungs, um, your kidneys, different things of that nature. And uh, I was very frustrated, I got to admit. My, my faith was at an all-time low. I was at an all-time low, just not sure of what was going to happen and I was irritated because we were finally hitting a stride. I had finally hit my goal weight of 205 pounds. I was excited about that. I had been working out. I had been lifting weights. Our church was going forward. And fast forward a year and all that weight has come back because of all the medicines and uh, the ability to get inside of a gym or be active in any form. And I was, I was frustrated. I got to admit. 
And I thought for sure we were going to lose all our momentum. And then I started realizing it had nothing to do with me in the first place. I was really giving myself a little bit too much credit. I was patting myself on the back just a little too hard, I think, because I started realizing that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. And so I'm just here to tell you this, this church right now, it's not by might. It's not by power. God knew you were going to be in the middle of an imagined campaign way before all this came down the road. And you have all the right people in place. You have all the right stuff in place. And God is doing it God's way. God is doing it God's way. Aren't you thankful that God does it his way? Because if God did it my way, I don't think things would ever get done. I think it would look a lot like me. It would taste a lot like me. And it wouldn't be exactly what God wanted. You ever go into a, uh, into a campsite and turn on the water and the first couple minutes, everything that comes out is this brown, nasty, liquidy looking stuff and you try to taste it and it all tastes like the pipes. It tastes like the well that it came from. But if you let it flow for a little while, all of a sudden you start realizing that it doesn't quite taste like the pipe anymore. It starts to taste like water again. And I, I would say the same thing about us. If we're not careful, we'd let ourselves get in the way and, and all people taste and all people see. And even though we think it looks good, it just tastes like us and it comes out like us. And then God starts flowing. God starts doing things God's ways. And all of a sudden it starts tasting like God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. And so I know it's Wednesday night. It's the first Wednesday night of the year. But I wanted to speak to you, preach, teach, whatever you want to call it about a simple subject that maybe a lot of the younger ones in the crowd will know. And it's simply called, it's that dog in me. It's that dog in me. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that phrase. This is a phrase that you'll hear a lot in sports. And you'll hear a lot of this um, in, in a younger society. They're like, you know, oh, it's that dog in me. It's that, it's that nature inside of me that just overcomes and and I just would like to say that I don't know if anything has happened in my life that has not come with some obstacles. And somewhere along the line, Nathan Hayes got in this mentality that it's the dog in him. That there is nothing that's going to stop him. That there's nothing that's going to stay in his way. There's a, there's, a, there's a saying, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. We read that in scripture. And well, a lot of times we put that onus upon God. Oh, nothing's going to separate me from God because God's holding on so tight. But I've got this mentality now inside of me through everything I've been through that there is nothing that's going to separate me from God. It's that dog in me. It's there's, there's something different inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's this, this dog inside of me that says there ain't nothing you're going to do that it's ever going to stop me from living for God. And I would say that everybody in this church would say there is nothing that could happen to me, that could nothing that could happen around me that would ever make me say that first church is not the best place in the entire world. There is nothing inside of me that would ever say that I don't have a calling or I don't have a burden for the lost. No, you cannot separate me from the will of God. You cannot separate me from the love of God. There is something inside of me that is different. There is something inside of you that is different. And I just want to encourage somebody today. Maybe somebody came out today with some New Year's resolutions. And I hope you keep every one of them because it's that dog in me. It's that dog in me. Something is going to keep me standing strong. And something is going to make me hold to these things. And it's going to be that I determined in my mind that I was not going to give up. It's that dog in me. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's that dog in me. It's that dog in me. 
Romans chapter 4, 18 through 22 says this, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offsprings be. Overcoming odds, what does it look like? Overcoming problems, what does it look like? What does that mentality look like? That I can't give up, I won't give up mentality. You find this all the way throughout human history, and it's mentioned numerous times in the Bible. There is a the mighty men of David, and you see the man who went into the in the pit with a lion on a snowy day. There was something inside of him that said, I don't care what kind of obstacles are in my way. I won't give up. I can't give up. I refuse to give up. I hope there's some people in here today that have this mentality that it doesn't matter what happens. I'll tell you what, I came down, I got diagnosed with cancer again. After 11 years of being cancer free, I got diagnosed with again. And you know what? It's not going to keep me down. I will keep going until the day I take my last breath and I will keep doing the things of God. I will keep speaking the word of God. I will keep proclaiming the good things of God because I can't give up. I won't give up. I will not give up. And you know what? People inside of this room have got to have that same mentality. That it doesn't matter what happens this year. I could walk outside of this place, get in a car accident, break my leg, have seven other things go wrong, and I still won't give up. Nothing will separate me from God. There was a man who fought so hard that he couldn't let go of his sword. There was a man who literally stood firm and fought over a hill of beans. That's the kind of mentality I'm talking about. That kind of mentality that says, you know what? I'm not giving up one single inch to the enemy. I'm not letting him have one little space in my life. I will not give up. I cannot give up. And I won't give up. It's just not going to happen. And you know what? We sit there and say, greater is he that is in me. But I want you to understand, these men in the Bible didn't even have the spirit of God living inside of them. They were simply around the spirit of God. It dwelt among the tents and it brushed among the people, but they didn't have the presence of God living inside of them. That means that me, I should be even more so set and determined that nothing is going to separate me. I should have an even greater mentality. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. I want to show you where this mentality, this attitude that I think we should have comes from. The Lord said to Moses, send me some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am given to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them from the desert of Paran and all of them were leaders of the Israelites. And these are their names. And unlike brother Hoffman, I'm not going to list all the names because he's awesome at that. And I can't even pronounce 90% of them. And so I'm just going to give you the two that people remember. And that is Joshua and Caleb. Many people know the story, but let me recap a little bit. Verse 17 of this same chapter, Numbers chapter 13, verse 17 kind of gives you an idea of what it looks like. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through Negev unto the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people that live there are strong or weak are few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good land or is it bad land? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are there trees in it? Is there not? Do your best to bring back 
some fruit of the land. It was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so we see this mentality. He says, look, go figure out what's going on. Access the situation. And so they did this. Verse 23 says, and when they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, some with pomegranates and figs. And that place was called the valley of Eshcol because the cluster of grapes, the Israelites cut off there. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And they did exactly as they were told. You know, a lot of times we give the 10 spies a, a bad rap. We give these 10 guys who came back with a negative report a bad rap. But the reality is they came back and said exactly what they were asked to do. Moses asked them, tell us if it's good or bad. Tell if it's as strong if it's weak. Tell if the people are big or if they're small. Tell us what's going on. Give us the layout of the land. And they came out and they reported back exactly what they saw. They gave a true report. Here's the report. They came back to Moses and Aaron and, and the, in verse 26. The Israelite community of Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And they reported to them and gave the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went to the land where you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. And here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. They're big. These are big cities. Think about this. We saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites lived there. The Hittites and the Jebusites. The Amorites lived in the hill country. And the Canaanites lived near the sea and along the, the Jordan. They came back with a true report. Guess what, guys? I really have cancer. I'm going to give you a true report. I really have days where I, I can barely stand. I really have days. Today, my son has to walk me up the steps because if I try to do it on my own balance, I'm going to fall forward. Well, thankfully, I'm a little round, so I'll roll forward. So it probably won't hurt too much, but it will be a little bit embarrassing to the ego. Guess what? You really are struggling with some things. Guess what? Your lives really do have hurts and pains and struggles. You really do have bills you have to pay. And there are real sicknesses and real illnesses that you have to go to the doctors for. And we understand that we live in the real world, don't we? How many of you have real problems? Just raise your hand. You got real issues in your life. Ones that can't just be coded over by saying, I'll pray for you. You have real things in your life, real situations. I'm thankful for prayer. And I believe prayer works. But I also have to say, God, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I think that's the greatest prayer of faith any person could ever pray in their lifetime. The greatest prayer of faith is not, God, you will heal me. It's that, God, you can heal me, but I trust you with whatever you decide to do. I put my trust in you. That's the greatest prayer of faith you will ever pray. And here's what's cool. In spite of all of that. In spite of the fact that they came back with a true report. Verse 30 says this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. He had all the facts. He had all the truth in front of him. He knew that there was, he wasn't coming back and saying, Oh no, this isn't reality. This is what reality is. No, he faced the reality. He's seen what it was. And then he said, we can do this. Caleb is different. Caleb's a different kind of thinker. Caleb's a different kind of beast. He is the team captain of that one out of 100 football team that says, we're going to 
get knocked down and we're going to come back up biting off kneecaps. He's, he's that mentality. He's a little bit crazy. He's a little bit wild. He's a little bit off. But he's got that dog in him. He says, you know what? I see all the problems. I see that there's a lot of complications to this. But let's go do it anyways. That's an awesome mentality. I see all the problems. I see the things that we're facing. But let's do it anyway. You know, I'm glad that I left my wife home today because I look around here today and there's like some kind of disease that makes people pregnant and have bunches of kids. And I've got four children of my own and I'm good with four. I got a grandbaby now. That's good. I'm, I'm perfectly content. That's a bit crazy. It's crazy to bring kids into this world. We got a messed up world, folks. It's crazy to bring kids into it. But you know what? We do it anyway. Because we want our children. We want our families. We want to see them live for God. We want to see them accomplish great things. We, we want to see awesome stuff come. So in spite of the things we see around us, we say, you know what? I'm going to bite off more than I can chew, and then I'm going to chew it anyways. Because it's how we're built. There's something different inside of you. I want you to look at verse 31. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They're stronger than we are. And they are spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak that come out of Nephilim, the giants. He says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. I want you to notice something. He didn't say we seemed like grasshoppers in their eyes. He said we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. There's a mentality that we've got to look at and say, you know what? I'm no stinking grasshopper. I'm going to take care of anything that's in my way because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do this. Point at yourself and say, I can do this. You can live for God. You can overcome sin. Greater is he that is in you. You can see a brand new building be built. You can give more than you thought you could give. You can accomplish more for God. You can invite your neighbors. You can bring another person to God. You can do it. You can do it. And it is so funny because the 10 spies go around telling everybody about all this negative stuff. They start talking about overthrowing Moses and overthrowing Aaron and getting some leaders that will be a little bit more logical. Guess what? You guys got some leaders here that might not operate just according to logic. You got brother Mike Netta who's not going to always operate just according to logic. We're not doing this by might. We're not doing this by power. But we're doing this by the spirit of the Lord. You're going to have brother Gibbs who might not come up here and say, you know, here's the logical. The logical step would be to put a hold on everything and say, you know what? We can't do this. It's, there's scary things out there. That's logical. But logic doesn't come into play when you got that dog in you. When you got that dog in you, you sit there and say, no, there's people who need to be reached for the kingdom of God. There's somebody in this city who might be going to hell. There's somebody in this city who might be struggling with addiction. There's somebody in this city who might not ever have a chance if we don't do what God has set us forth to do. The people get mad and they want to stone Joshua and Caleb. And then God shows up and God ain't happy. He starts saying, you know what? I'm just going to wipe them all out and start over with you. 
Moses pleads for them. Says that the Egyptians would think God didn't care about them if they went into the desert and killed them. And here is what I want you to look at carefully. Verse 20 says, the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt in the wilderness, but those who disobeyed and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. That's not this church. Nobody's treating the Lord with contempt. But we've got to make sure that we got that dog in us. We got to make sure, again, this is home for me. I brought my church out here the day you had your Imagine campaign and I had them give toward it because I'm like, hey, I don't care if we have a large building yet. One day we will and I want to be part of the miracle that God's doing here. God's doing a miracle here. I want to be part of the miraculous. But I want you to see something. Verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because my servant Caleb he got, he's a little different. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a little different. You're a little different. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because we don't war like the, war, the world wars. We don't fight like the world fights. We don't wrestle like the world wrestles. We don't get caught up into the, all the little things that the world gets caught up into. We have a focus, the kingdom of God. Yeah. And his righteousness. We pray, Lord, let your kingdom come in sterling heights as it is in heaven. God, let your will be done in sterling heights as it is in heaven. And so we look at it and we realize that because Caleb, my servant, has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to. And his descendants will inherit it. Everyone was forgiven. But Caleb, because he had a different spirit, he got the promise. I want you to think about that. Everyone has that dog in them, but not everybody chooses to allow it out. Everybody's got it in them. I didn't realize how much of the dog I had in me until I had to go through cancer the first time. I didn't realize it. Brother Sistering said the person who was most surprised by the way that we were able to walk through it was me. He said, Nathan, I knew you had it in you. He said, I knew that you would walk through this, that you would come through the fire, that you would be full of faith, that you would show other people how it's done. He said, I knew it. You just didn't know it. Because you know what? You have the dog in you. You got the dog in you. Let it out. Get aggressive. Safi, get aggressive about it. Say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I got that dog in me. (laughs) I got that dog in me. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath given, has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You have it. You are more than conquerors. You are more than conquerors. You know, it is 749. I want to read Ecclesiastes 9.4. I'm going to give you a little scripture. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. Aren't you glad for hope? I'm glad for hope. It says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. This might be one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Guess what? You're here. Through all of it, you made it. 
you're in 2024. You might feel like you're a complete failure, that you messed it all up, that you didn't do everything you wanted to do, that you didn't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, that maybe you didn't let that dog out quite like you wanted to. But guess what? A living dog is better than a dead lion. That guy who roared and was boasting and pounding his chest in Bible school that I went to, you know what? They're not here. They decided somewhere along the road that it was just a little too tough to live for God, that maybe it was just easier just to surrender and do whatever their flesh wanted to do. But I'm telling you what, I'd rather be a living dog than a dead lion. <laughs> I might not have been the world's greatest. I might not have been the one who got nominated for everything, but I'm still here by the grace of God. I'm still standing. That means this. You're here. That means the dog's in you. That's going to sound funny to you, and you're going to carry that with you hopefully this whole year. I got that dog in me. You got to get a little bit of, you got to understand, I don't come from, you, you got to understand, I, I don't come from, I don't come from Bloomfield Hills. I grew up in Ypsilanti in Prospect Park. So I didn't grow up around all the rich people. I grew up in the hood. I grew up in the hood of hoods. I got carjacked when I was 15 years old, okay? I I, I, that's what I grew up. I got a gun pulled on me in the basketball court at 16 years old at Prospect Park. I didn't grow up in the, in the nice area. So when I say I got that dog in me, maybe it don't relate to everybody, but it relates to me. I got that dog in me. That means I got that fight in me. That means you can keep coming all you want, but I'm going to come back up biting kneecaps. I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep going. I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep surviving. And you know what? As for me and my house, I got my two boys here with me today. Give me that. Give me that over giving me my health. Give me that over giving me all the wealth that you could possibly imagine. Because you know what? I've got something to accomplish for the kingdom of God. I've got some goals I want to see going on. I want to see a brand new building in this little field next door. I'm going to be here for that. I'm going to be here for that because I got that dog in me. Maybe that don't mean nothing to you, but this is home. That means something to me. That means that I'm going to get a chance to see the promises of God. I'm going to see a brand new house for God to dwell, for people to worship him, and for us to bring sick people in so they can get healthy and so that they can start serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because I got that dog in me. And I'm going to end with this, if our music would come. I'm going to end with this. And I know it's Wednesday night. Maybe I shouldn't get all preachy on Wednesday night. I know I'm supposed to teach. But God's got something inside of me for this church. This is my home. And my, my pastor is struggling. He's sick. And I know that. I'm not painting it with some rosy colored glasses. But you know what? In spite of knowing that, I got that dog in me. In spite of knowing that, I got that dog in me. There's something inside of me that says it doesn't matter what I have to face this year. It doesn't matter what I have to walk through this year. I'm going to see the things of God come to pass. And you know what? I wait for the day that Brother Hoffman and I get to sit there hand in hand, arm in arm, watching and dedicating a brand new temple to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you know what? I'm not asking you to believe that because I don't need you to believe that. I know what God can do. 
I know what he has done. When they told me I have a year and a half to live, my baby girl was 10 years old. My youngest girl was nine years old. And I got to witness the birth of my grandbaby this year. You cannot tell me what God cannot do. You cannot tell me what God can do. You don't put a limit on my God. And so, yes, I will stand here. Yes, I will worship. Yes, I will have my hands lifted up. Ezra chapter 10, verse 2, says this. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Israel, we have trespassed our God, against our God. We have taken pagan wives from the peoples in the land. They're, they're frustrated. He says, look, we've made some mistakes along the way. How many of y'all have made some mistakes along the way? Just be honest. How many of you made some mistakes along the way? But then he says something so profound. He says, yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. I'm sick. I just finished up my ninth round of chemo on Thursday. I'm sick. I get dizzy. But you know, there's hope in Israel in spite of this. In spite of this. And you know what? I'm going to be here next year by the grace of God. If not, then God knows what he's doing. I don't get to make that decision. That's God's decision. But in my faith, in my hope, I have hope in spite of this. I know Brother Hoffman's sick, but I have faith in spite of that. Somebody here has got to have faith in spite of, because you got that dog in you. You've got something inside you that says, you know what? There's a God who put breath in my lungs. There's a God who, who saved me from my sins, who, who allowed me to be more than I thought I would ever be. Why can't he do this next thing? I really doubted God this last time. When I got diagnosed again, I was like, well, there it goes. My wife was like, well, time to start making funeral arrangements. Guess what, guys? That was a year ago. I'm here in my right mind for the most part (laughs) preaching to a church that's incredible and you know what you don't need any more than what you already have you're walking into 2024 with as much God as you need to watch all of these things be accomplished Worship team, don't ever, don't don't get nervous about what God's going to do. Church, don't get nervous. The Bible says he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. That means that everybody in this building has a responsibility to get that fear. Fear is not my future. You are. Right? That's not our future. Our future in this building tonight is that God can and will do all things according to his perfect will. And we're going to see it. I'm going to see it. I'm telling this church right now, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to worship with Brother Hoffman as we watch. Maybe it's a ribbon. Maybe it's a saw. I don't know what he's going to do. With Brother Hoffman, there's no telling. This is why he and I are knit together. Our spirits for a long time have been knit together. 
He's become like I can't even explain in my life and in my wife's life. Him and Sister Hoffman. But you know what? It's not about him. It's about the God that's inside of him that he's allowed to reach out and touch my life. And you're going to see it happen in this church. Can you guys have enough faith with me to believe that? I hope me sitting in front of you tells you what God can do. Because <laughs> if nothing else, we'll ever express what God can do. Me sitting right here. Can we stand to our feet all over this place? And can we just celebrate? We don't need to come to an altar today. I'm going to stand if you don't mind. Barely. Can we just lift up our hands? And can we just celebrate what God is going to do this year? Come on, he's going to do something awesome. And he's put everything inside of you that needs to be there for it to be accomplished. You're equipped for this. You're equipped for this. When I heard Brother Hoffman was sick, the first two phone calls or texts I made was to Brother Mike Netto and to Brother John Gibbs and said, you are created for this. You're ready for this. Church, you're ready for this. You're going to have to carry more than you thought you are going to have to carry. You're going to have to work harder than you thought you were going to have to work. But God knows what he's doing. And you're going to make it. Come on, let's worship together. Jesus, we worship you, Lord.